Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, September 3rd. This is your FT News Briefing. Top policymakers at the European Central Bank are worried about the strength of the euro. DHL says it might be tough keeping a potential coronavirus vaccine cold, and KKR is paying close attention to Japan. Plus, Donald Trump has been talking about China a lot lately, but he isn't saying much about trade. We'll take a look at why he's toned it down. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Now, on yesterday's show, I spoke with our economics editor, Chris Giles, about the effects of a weak U.S. dollar. If you missed it, you should check it out. It was a helpful conversation in understanding the state of global currencies. And while the dollar is weak, the euro is strong, and this has some people worried. The FT has been talking to several policymakers at the European Central Bank, and it turns out that the euro's rise against the dollar is a little troubling to them. They said the euro's strength poses a risk to the eurozone's economic recovery. The ECB's governing council says that if the euro keeps appreciating, it'll do a few things. Weigh on Europe's exports, drag down prices, and intensify pressure for more monetary stimulus. And the ECB has to contend with the Federal Reserve. The council members said that the Fed's decision last week to tolerate more inflation has driven the euro higher against the dollar, which means there's more pressure on the ECB to respond with its own strategic review. The ECB is hoping to finish this review next year, and the governing council plans to meet next week. The World Health Organization says that more than 170 COVID-19 vaccines are currently in development, and 30 of them have already made it to clinical trials. But once a vaccine is patient-ready, it might not be so easy for people to get it. So says German logistics giant Deutsche Post DHL. Research by DHL and consultancy firm McKinsey found there's a last-mile problem. It means that even if you get the vaccine to a place, there probably aren't enough cooling facilities in that area to keep it refrigerated before it's taken. The research found that this is a big problem in large parts of Africa, Asia, and South America, and DHL and McKinsey say this would be the biggest challenge to delivering a vaccine at scale. DHL's chief commercial officer told the FT that the company is working with governments to find solutions. And KKR is doubling down on Japan. The U.S. private equity firm plans to participate in a wave of transactions. The head of KKR in Japan says that these transactions will include railway companies, manufacturers, and other businesses with underused property and land assets. The bet is that the pandemic will open up new opportunities in Japan, with cash-strapped companies looking to restructure and get rid of some assets. But KKR isn't the only one making news on the island this week. Warren Buffett placed a $6 billion bet on Japan's five biggest trading houses on Monday. These trading houses are the backbone of the Japanese economy and are relentless dealmakers. They have interests worldwide in everything from snowboards to souvenir banana cakes and oil exploration. And here's a story you should know more about. If there's one thing Donald Trump likes to say a lot, it's that he's tough on China. Here he is giving his acceptance speech as the party's presidential nominee at the Republican National Convention last week. Washington insiders asked me not to stand up to China. They pleaded with me to let China continue stealing our jobs, ripping us off, and robbing our country blind. But I kept my word to the American people. 
We took the toughest, boldest, strongest, and hardest-hitting action against China in American history by far. But the way Mr. Trump talks about China has changed recently. In particular, he scaled back on how much he discusses America's trade deficit with Beijing. The FT's Washington bureau chief, Dmitry Sevastopolo, is here with me now. Hey, Dmitry. Hey, Mark. Dmitry, U.S.-China trade talk was a huge part of Trump's platform at the beginning of the year and really, you know, throughout his first term. And then it's rarely come up at all in the past few months. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, I remember covering the 2016 election, and you could be forgiven for thinking that the only thing Trump cared about was, in it, you know, aside from the wall and illegal immigration, was trade and trade with China. He was going to come into office. He was going to do better trade deals. He was going to get rid of old trade deals, bring manufacturing jobs back to America and help some of the parts of the country that have suffered from globalization as old traditional manufacturing jobs have moved to China or or other parts of Asia. He spent the first three years of his administration trying to negotiate a trade deal with China at the same time that there was a trade war going on. He was putting tariffs on Chinese uh, exports to the U.S., And finally, in January, his team secured a very narrow deal with China. They call the phase one deal. And that was, you know, kind of the first bookend in his battle with China over trade over the first three years. So I guess considering that this was such a big part of the Trump administration's platform for so long, why is Trump focused less on this? Well, I think the first thing is that the trade deficit just before Trump came into office And the trade deficit with China at the end of 2019 was almost identical. And so for Trump, one of the realities is that while he's had this trade war with China and he secured a deal in early January this year, actually the trade deficit has not really improved. Now, over the past six months, the trade deficit with China has improved a little bit. But a lot of that is really to do with the effect that the COVID-19 pandemic has had on disrupting global trade and trade patterns. The second thing is he's been trying to find a scapegoat for the pandemic and deflect blame for his handling of the pandemic, which has been widely panned. And so his kind of focus on China has shifted from trade to something that he thinks will resonate more with the American people, which is China's to blame for the pandemic coming to the U.S. shores. And we had a fantastic economy until March, and then all of a sudden it's imploded, and that's all China's fault. Right. You've heard him refer to it on many occasions as the Wuhan virus. So, Dimitri, do you think this is a temporary departure from his focus on trade and the White House will at some point return to this topic? Or has he moved away from this permanently? Well, assuming that he wins, I don't think he's moved away permanently. I think what you're seeing right now is, you know, for the first three years, he resisted doing various things that the hardline China hawks wanted him to do because he didn't want to jeopardize trade talks. For the time being, there are no trade talks. And he's decided that in the run-up to the election, it's better to criticize China over coronavirus, but also to let the hawks in his administration do many of the things that they've actually wanted to do for a long time. So it's almost like he said, it's open season on China. Here's your chance. 
do what you need to do. Now, if he wins re-election, I think he will revert to the trade issue. I mean, a lot of American companies want to get a better trade deal with China, and they want structural reform that will allow American companies more access in China and other issues. And I think he will push for that. So I think it will come back. But I think over the next two months, as we run up to the November 3rd election, uh, trade is not going to be a big topic that you're going to hear Donald Trump talk about on the campaign trail. Dimitri Sevastopoulos is the FT's Washington bureau chief. Thanks, Dimitri. Thanks, Mark. And before we go, Joe Biden and the Democratic National Committee just broke a fundraising record. It was a $364.5 million August for the Democratic presidential nominee. And Mr. Biden's campaign claims it was the best month in the history of online fundraising. The Trump campaign has yet to announce how much Republicans have brought in last month. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.